Am I on? Yeah. Woo, I'm on. Man, I forgot to wear red, white, and blue today. I, I saw some of you, some of you were doing that, so I apologize to everybody. And uh, man, I'm excited to be here this morning on the day we celebrate the freedom in our country. I tell you what, you know, I, I get the opportunity to travel to other countries, and I know many of you have been to other places, but when you go and see how other people live, folks, we are blessed. I mean, we are blessed beyond anything we could ever think about. And this morning it is, get first slide. The 4th of July. And how many of you have studied the founders of our country? You know about the founders. It's pretty, and Tim mentioned, mentioned it, but it's pretty amazing when you read the things that they said. And I want to name a few of them. Patrick Henry, this is what he said in a quote. It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religion, but by Christians. Not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what one of our founders said. George Washington it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and His Word. John Quincy Adams, one of the writers of our Constitution, I speak as a man of the world to men of the world, and I say to you, search the Scriptures. The Bible is a book of all others, to be read at all ages and all conditions of human life, not to be read once, twice, three times, and set aside, but to read daily. Maybe two chapters a day, and never stop unless some overruling necessity stops. Folks, those, I could have, I read one in these quotes, John Wayne. He said, sure, I'll wave my flag every day. Even when things don't look right in our country, it is our country, and God has blessed this country. That was from John Wayne. Now I want to re read one last quote of president of our country, Ronald Reagan. This is a, something he said once years ago on the 4th of July. I believe this blessed land was set apart in a very special way. A country created by men and women who came here not in search of gold, but in search of God. They would be free people living under the law with faith in their master and their future. Our liberty springs from and depends upon faith in God. The truth is, politics and morality are inseparable. And as morality's foundation is God, God and politics are ne necessarily related. We need God as our guide. If we live by the golden rule, listen to this. If we, all of us live by the golden rule, we would not need any other laws. Because everything would be good. I believe with all my heart that standing up for America means standing up for the God who has blessed us so much in our land. We need God's help to guide our nation through stormy seas. But we can't expect him to protect America in a crisis. It's we just leave him on the shelf day to day. May all of you as Americans never forget your origins. Never Fail to seek divine guidance and never lose your natural, God-given optimism. 
God bless each and every one of you, and God bless this country we live in. Man, I tell you what, when, you know, when the leaders of our country say things like that, folks, we live in a country of freedom and religion. So I want all of you to stand. We're going to have a young girl sing to us. Y'all can sing, sing along with her. Ten years old. Man, I wish I could sing like that now. <laughs> Folks, always appreciate the blessings you have from this country. Where we do what Tim says, we can worship freely, we can speak freely, and we are blessed. And we need to be praying for our country all the time. You know, this morning I'm going to talk about, we're going to continue our mission statement, and this morning I'm going to talk about Are you li Let me ask you a question. Are you living a life of joy and a purpose in life? That's what I'm going to talk about today. I know all of us want to live that kind of life. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you ways that we can all begin living that kind of life. We're going to talk about it, and we're all different. But I first want to start out with a... I like to tell stories, as you know. I want to talk about a story. You know, there's a man that... All at once, he started hurting. Everywhere he touched on his body, it was agonizing pain. And he, he took medicine, nothing would help. And he says, I've got to go to the doctor. So he goes to the doctor, and the doctor finally called him in his office. And he says, well, what do you need today? And he says, doctor, everywhere I touch, I cry out in pain. And the doctor said, well, touch your shoulder. Oh, it hurts. Touch your knee. He screamed, it hurts. 
touch your side. Oh, he teached all his, over his body, and he was in agonizing pain. Well, the doctor was confused. How can someone have that kind of pain at every place in their body? So the doctor said, I've got to run tests on you. So he, he runs some tests on him. And he came back and he said, I know what your problem is. You've got a dislocated finger. And every time you touch a part of your body, it hurts. <laughs> now, we laugh about that. It's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? But have we ever in our lives felt like our life's a mess? Nothing's going wrong in my life. And it's keeping you from having joy and a purpose. And it's only one small thing that's affecting your life. But you let that small thing affect everything in your life. Folks, how many of you want to live a fruitful life? We all do. How many of you want to live a life free of fear, anxiety, stress? We all do. We want to live a life full of joy, full of purpose, and being useful everywhere we go. That's the kind of life we all want to live. So how do we do that? Where can we turn? What about looking at the life of Jesus? What about looking how Jesus lived his life? He wasn't on the earth very long, but he lived a very satisfying life. You know, Jesus didn't have to say, what am I here for? It was prophesied what his purpose was before, way before he was even born. And he says, his parents didn't even have to come up with a name for him, did they? They knew it before Jesus was born. He was only here for 33 years. And in those and most of his ministry was done, what, in the last three years? But he accomplished everything that God meant for him to accomplish. He finished every task that God had for him on this earth. How many of you remember the story about the woman at the well? I'm sure all of us remember that story. Well, in that story, I'm going to talk about that story. And from it, there's three principles that we can learn from that story that we should be living our life by. The first one is to live a life with a clear purpose. That every one of us should be living with a purpose in life. You see, Jesus and his disciples were in northern Galilee. And they were on their way to Judea. And there was a direct path that everybody traveled from Galilee to Judea. But Jesus went a long, rough road. Disciples was confused. Why, Lord? Why, Lord? He had a purpose. He had to go through Samaria. You see, there was a woman that he wanted to give living water to that lived in Samaria. And that's the way he went. Was he successful? Yes. You know the story. She received the living water. And because of it, many people, other people were saved by, their test, by her testimony. You see, Jesus had a clear purpose. He wasn't going to go the short, straight route. He took a long route to meet that woman. Now think about that. And he accomplished. And it wasn't just her. It was almost a whole village. Look what it says in John 6, 38, 40. Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven 
not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of who sent me, that I shall lose none of those that you have given me, but raise him up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. You see, Jesus knew what his purpose was. Every day he did his purpose. And he, in his life, he was trying to teach us a purpose. How many of us know what God's will is in our life? I will tell you truthfully, and I'll tell something about it later, that for most of my life, I didn't, even though I served God. I really didn't know what my will was. But when we read the Bible, the most obvious thing is, his will is for us to all know him and to make other, let other people know him too. You know, what did Jesus say? We are to be what? The light of the world. The salt of the earth. We're to let our light shine everywhere we go. You see, Jesus had a clear purpose in his, his journey. A clear one going to Samaria even though it was a hard journey, he went because he was supposed to meet that woman. The second thing is to live your life with the right priorities. Do we all live our lives with the right priorities? Remember when the disciples, what did they say when they got there? You know, it was a long journey. They were tired, hungry. Let's go get food. Remember what Jesus told them? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, he wasn't saying we're not supposed to eat. He was hungry. He was tired. But what if he went with them to get food and he missed the woman at the well? He wasn't going to do that. He was willing to give up hungry and tiredness do the thing that God wanted him to do. You know, he might not ever got a, another chance. That might have been his only chance to meet her. You see, Jesus' life, he knew his purpose, and he would always finish it. He always completed. No matter what he had to sacrifice, he was going to do God's will. John four forty one, And because of his words, many more became believers. The people said... Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man is really the Savior of the world. Those are the people in the village that the Samaritan woman ran to and told what had happened to her. And so by him going that way, many people was touched for God. You know, I, uh, and I've told my story before about my life. I was raised in church, and I went to church from the time I was a baby. And uh, I, I worked in big churches. I taught the Bible. I was leader, and I moved in my job a lot. And everywhere I moved, it wasn't long till I was one of the leaders in the church. I knew the Bible. I served him. But I, I will tell you, when I, had that, when I had that encounter and saw that crippled woman paralyzed wake up, be healed, I sought God like I'd never sought him in my life. And I cried out for him for weeks and weeks. And then he, that's when he told me that he wanted to use me to bring faith to the body of Christ for healing. Well, I thought he was nuts. I thought he was crazy. You see, I was a nobody. 
I'd never been to school, seminary, anything. I was just a normal Christian. And I wrestled with that for weeks and maybe a month. But one day, I woke up and said, God, I don't know how, but I will do it. You see, I said yes. Everything changed in my life. If I had not said yes then, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be, get to travel in different parts of the world and see thousands of salvations and thousands of people. Folks, my life would be totally different. But when I said yes, everything in my life changed. Folks, that's the key. When God calls you to do he might call, he calls us all, we're different. We're all going to have different talents and different, any, different purposes. But don't say no. Say yes, even though you think he's nuts. Say yes, because when you say yes, he's going to show you what you need to do. And I'll talk about that later. The third, third lesson we can learn from that is live your life with a godly passion. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You know, he was tired and hungry when they did travel that long route there. But he had something more important to do. You see, his disciples wanted physical food. They knew he needed to eat. They needed to eat. And that's what they were thinking about. But Jesus was thinking about his purpose. Remember the Samaritan woman, when she uh, came, what did she want? She wanted physical water. What did he say? I have water that when you drink, you will never thirst again. And she took it. And it changed her life and changed the people around. I'm sure it affected his disciples too. too. Then in John 4, 35, do you, do you not say your month, four more months and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Folks, there's people everywhere we go that need to be harvested. Ever, when you go to work, to school, there's people that need living water. We just need to be reaching out like Jesus did and show it. The world needs it. So how are we going to learn our purpose? How are we going to know we need to be studying the Bible? But there's one way, the only true way you'll ever know your purpose, experiencing and walking close with God. Walking with him in a way that most of you, I hope all of you are, but most of us never walk. An intimate, close relationship with you. He is the one that created you, created your purpose and your destiny. And he is the one that can tell you what you should be doing in life. You see, one of the greatest benefits of having that walking relationship with God, he'll guide you direct you, and prepare you for the purpose he has for you. But it's spending time with you. You know, Tim talked about it. Melissa talked about this. And Alan has your intimate relationship with God. That will change 
everything, you will begin to have abundance of joy. Remember when Jesus says, I have come to give you life and give it more abundantly. Begin spending that intimate time with God. That's going to begin to happen in your life. You'll have a joy no matter what's going on in life. You can have joy and peace because you know your Father. And he'll begin to guide and direct your lives. You know, another part of my story was, I told you, I was in church all my life. When I was a little boy, my mother made me sit at a table with a Bible for one hour. I tell you, when you're six or seven years old, have to sit at a Bible for an hour every day. Maybe weekends I didn't have to on Sundays. Long hour. But I learned to pray. I learned to read the Bible. I knew the Bible back and forth. I taught at one church. We had over 100 adult Sunday school teachers, and I taught them the Bible. And yet, that whole time when I was a leader in a church of thousands, I knew there had to be more. I was missing something in my life. I didn't know what it was. I, so I worked harder in the church. I, I went out and witnessed more. I, I kept doing, trying to meet that need I felt in my life by doing more. It didn't work. And then when I saw the miracle and I began to seek God, everything changed in my life. You see, I'd been a Christian for 35 years when that happened. Going to church, reading the Bible, teaching people, witnessing. But I was missing something. I knew about God, but I really didn't know him. And then I began to learn him. And I tell you what, when you truly get that relationship with God, worry, anxiety, fear just disappears. Now, that doesn't mean bad things can still happen, but at least some of them will happen. And then he began to show me who I am. See, I thought I was a nobody. I mean, I was a leader, but I still didn't think I could stand up on the stage and talk or do those kind of things because I didn't have that kind of training. But he changed all of that. Now I can go speak in front of a thousand people and it don't bother me. In fact, I enjoy doing it. But folks, that's what can happen in your life. And then people everywhere you go will begin to be touched by you because what did Jesus say? Let your light shine. It just shines. Seek him. Hunger for him. Remember Moses? Moses, when he said in Exodus 33, Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you are with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other peoples on the face of the earth? Moses says, God, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. Remember what God said back to Moses? Because of your heart, I will never leave you. That's for all of us. We have that. We can experience the same thing Moses did. By, by being just like Moses. Father, I don't want to do anything without you. It will change everything in your life. Folks, seek God. I wish I knew this when I was 
15 years old, what I learned when I was 50. I was 56 years old when I saw that, when my life changed. But hey, I got another 20 or 30 years to witness, so it doesn't matter how old you are. Hey, the Bible says 120, so I've got another, what? No. <laughs> hey, I'm only 82. And I tell you guys, 82 is young. Isn't that right, Marceline? Amen. She's with me there. Okay. So, let me ask you a question. To really have a true friend, someone you're willing to serve, talk to your hurts, the, the intimate things in your life, what do you have to do? Somebody call out an answer. Trust. Bill, we talked about that this morning. Bill knew the answer. <laughs> trust. You know, if you truly trust somebody, you'll begin to share things you won't tell with anybody else because you trust them. You know them. Folks, that's the same thing with God. When we truly trust God, His promises, when we know his heart, we begin to know him. I thought I knew him all my life. I thought I trusted him, but I realized I didn't. I knew the scriptures, but I, I really didn't believe them totally. But when we truly trust him, intimacy begins to come. But how, you might say, how can we trust with when something bad happens? I'm going to briefly tell you a story. And normally I preach a whole sermon on this. Albania, Albania was a communist country, had a terrible dictator during communism. And this man and woman had a young daughter. Uh, they, could, they had to hide in their houses. They couldn't go out and preach the gospel. They'd be thrown in jail. And this little girl's name is Sarah. And when she was 18, communism fell. For the first time in her life, they could preach the gospel. Everything was good. Then she met this boy. And he loved God and he wanted, he wanted to be a preacher. So they fell in love. They got married. And then they had a couple of small girls. And life was good. They had their own church. Things were going good. One day, you notice I'm kind of hurt. They bet on how long I was going to preach. So I'm, trying, I'm not going to tell the whole message. Uh, okay, I'll tell it. You guys get ready. We're going to be here a while. The, uh, but anyway, where was I? Any, anyway, she, she, uh, things were going good. And one day, one day, her and a friend was out. There's a lot of olive trees in Albania. And uh, they were climbing, picking olives. And she was out on a branch reaching for an olive. And she heard the limbs start to crack. And she tried to get back to the tree, but she couldn't get back, and she fell about 25 or 30 feet. Screaming, her friend jumped out of the tree, ran to her, and saw, I can't help, so she ran back to the town. They come, come back, and, and man, these people said, man, so they got in, they didn't have ambulance because it was a small village, and, but the local doctor came out and said, we've got to take her to the capital city of Toronto for the hospital, and that's where they did four-hour drive over their roads are not too good 
you know, it's rocks and everything, and no paved roads but the main highways. And uh, anyway, they, uh, they immediately took her into surgery. Her mom, who was a pastor, her dad a pastor, and her husband pastors, they were waiting in this room anxious about her. Four hours later, they came in. Doctor, they brought Sarah in, and she started waking up, and they was talking to her, and she was still drowsy. Then the doctor came in. Anxious, they were anxious to hear what he had to say. And this is what he said. Sarah almost severed her spinal column. She just got a small part left. There's no hope. She'll never walk in her life. She'll be an invalid in bed. Her mom, dad, husband was crying. Sarah's didn't hear anything out of Sarah. And he says she'll have pain all of her life. We'll have to give her strong pain medicine. <laughs> and the mother and them, they were sad. They were crying all at once. Sarah, that's not going to happen. My God would never let that happen. He loves me too much. I'm going to walk. It shocked her older mom, dad, husband, that she said that. And they looked at her in shock, and she believed it. God's going to heal me. Two weeks later, they took her home and put her in bed. She couldn't move because she was paralyzed from the waist down. And all her friends came by. I feel sorry for you, Sarah. Why? Why, she says. God's healing me. It shocked them. Her husband couldn't understand it. Her mom and dad couldn't understand Sarah. A few weeks later, she told her husband, go get some crutches. I'm going to walk. Nope, you can't do it. She made him. He did. She learned to drag herself That's a, with her upper body. She still had no feeling, couldn't do anything. This went on two long years, and she never doubted. Folks, I will tell you, I don't know if I've been around a person like this woman before. But one day she was listening to the radio and they talked about in Toronto there's going to have a three-day healing service, a conference. And couldn't wait for it. And then she called the pastor, got his name, called him. She said, sure, you can come. Anybody can come. And couldn't wait her husband got home. He, uh, he got home and she was all excited she told him what happened. I called. I'm going. What? You can't walk. You can't get out of bed. All you can do is drag yourself. You're not going. And they argued. She said, I'm going. God told me. Well, he calls her mom and dad. They come over. Same thing as him. You're crazy. You can't do it. Then she told him, if you don't take me, I'll walk with the crutches. Four-hour drive. So you can imagine how long walking. So they finally said, we'll take you. And I'll never forget the day that she pulled up. We was greeting everybody standing outside. And when we didn't know anything about her. We hadn't heard any of this. And she, uh, getting out of the car, and we saw her in crutches, and we went to help her. She said, I don't need any help. Drug herself in. After everybody arrived, I usually, when it's two or three days, we'll go around the room, everybody tell a story. She told her story. Smiling, she says, I'm going to walk. Of course, everybody in the room wanted to pray for her right then. We prayed for her twice that day. Nothing happened. Of course, everybody's disappointed. And I'll admit I was too. The next day, we prayed for her three times. Nothing happened. 
everybody was sad when the last one that night we prayed for. And I'll admit, I was, my faith was wobbling a little bit. And I was a little sad and down too, except Sarah. In the morning, I'm going to walk. I mean, she big smile on her face. It kind of humbled all of us in the room, this, you know, the woman that was hurting in pain, the faith she had. The next morning, she comes in. She tells her, I said, well, today's the day I walk. Of course, everybody wanted to pray for her right then, and so I said, okay, let's do it. And we put her in the thing, and when we touched her legs, she began to scream. Of course, we thought she's in pain, and she says, all the pain's left. She said, get me up, and we got her up. Now, she couldn't walk. You know, it had been two years since she'd walked, and we kind of drug her for two, and every step we took, she walked. After about eight or nine steps, she pushed us away and began running around the room. Whoa. Folks, now that's faith. That's the kind of faith you and I need to have, no matter what. kind of faith pretty amazing I mean that woman God she never give up now they've got a big successful church in northern Albania that's that's our God and that's the way we li need to live our lives without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him trust him Seek him, you're going to find him in ways you've never fought him before. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself in him. Both of those scriptures says, believe God and he will manifest himself in your life. You see, God, God is not looking just for a clinging vine. He's looking for a walking partner. Remember, he created the Garden of Eden. He walked in the, cool, in the garden in the cool of the day. They talked together. They probably made plans together. They lived together. And that's what God wants to do with each and every one of us. But for that to happen, we have to seek him. You see, spending time with God is, is not the destination. It's the catalyst of how our lives will be. You spend time with God in the morning. You get in his presence. And then you walk with him all day. You walk with him all day. You're thinking about him. And you're touching other people. And you'll begin to have a joy and peace like you've never had before. No matter what. I, I tell you what. Most of you know it. I retired with a big retirement. 9-11 hit. I lost everything. I was 64 years old and... Yeah, 62 or 3, I don't know. I'm old, I can't remember things. But I, I lost everything. I never worried about it, folks. I trusted God. Now, if that had happened to me 30 years ago, I would probably be in a state hospital right now because I would have worried about how am I going to pay my bills. But if you learn to truly trust God and walk with him, he'll change everything in your life. And he wants to. He wants to walk with every one of you. 
He has his arms open wide. When you wake up in the morning, he's got his arms open wide waiting for you to come to embrace you. But you have to make the effort to do it, folks. And I will tell you, you'll begin to learn your purpose in life. I would have never dreamed 25, 30 years ago that I'd be doing what I do now, that I'd be traveling, that I'd be praying for people, that I would see so many. I was in a large church. We had 100 people going out witnessing every Tuesday night, knocking on doors, and I was the leader of that. We saw salvation, but I can tell you what, since I have that relationship with God, I see a lot more now by loving people because his love will flow through you. The anxiety, fears all begin to leave. The temptations of the world begin to lose their, lose their power over you. God has changed me a lot. Now, I've still got a pretty good ways to go, but he's changed me a lot. And I have a joy and peace in my life that I never thought was possible. And I want to, and my heart is to see you guys walk like that. That's what I go teach. I go teach and I want other, everybody to, to have that relationship with God to go out and change the world. Folks, I'd encourage you, seek him. Seek him and you'll be amazed at what happens. And the time it takes, the rewards will be so much greater. Folks, I prayed for a woman in a store the other day, and she was just, had a problem. I don't know what the problem was. And I saw she had a look on her face, and all I did is, can I say a simple prayer? And I did. The smile was about that wide from her. It wasn't very much, but all of us can do that. Folks, God has a purpose for every one of you in this room. We're all different. We're all different things, but he has a purpose for you. And when we're not doing our part, we're missing something. We need every one of you to begin living that intimate relationship with God and then begin to change the world. Amen? Amen. So everybody stand up. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know all of you want to do that. You want to live that joyful... <laughs> Tim's raising his hand. That's okay. You can raise it if you want to. We all want that. God is waiting for you to come to him. Now, we need to read the Bible. We need to pray. But the most important thing is seeking Him, spending time with Him, listening to Him. And then you're going to read the Bible and pray more because He'll put it in your hearts. So, Father, I just thank You for everyone in this room. I thank You for their presence, Lord God. I thank You, Father, just put a hunger in every one of them, their hearts like they've never had before. Father, put a passion to seek you above everything. Father, and then use them to change the world. Father, I know we're all different. We'll do it in different ways. But put it in their hearts to do that, to spend that time with you. Not like Moses, not praying for things, for the things of the world. But just like Moses, I want to know you better. God, 
put it in their hearts. They want to know you, know you better, know everything, and then know about themselves. That should be the hunger in their hearts, Lord God. So I thank you, Lord God. I just thank you for all of these people and, and Father, and how we're going to touch people everywhere we go. Father, I just, I just pray that everyone here has a very happy 4th of July. And Father, don't let any of us eat too much. Amen. God bless you guys. God bless you guys.